Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, take your Bible here tonight and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to discuss a very important issue tonight as it pertains to the family. And that is when our young people enter into those courting years. Been talking about keeping the hearts of your sons and daughters. And often our children's hearts are lost when they enter into the courtship years. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 1 through verse 8. If you do not have your Bibles with you, I'll put it up there for you. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll get started here tonight. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you. The word beseech means to beg. He's begging them about this thing. And exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God... So you would abound more and more. Our young people just sang the song, How Great Thou Art. God is a great God in the fact that he loved us enough to send his son to save us from our sin. But then he takes it even further than that. He gives us a book to live by. A book that will give direction to our life. And a book that, if followed, will bring tremendous blessing from God. Do you desire to walk and please God with your life? To abound more and more in his pleasure? Then obey his commandments. Verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God. No question about this. Sometimes we ask ourselves, is this God's will or is this not God's will? This is clearly God's will here. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. It means to be set apart. That ye should abstain from fornication or sexual immorality in all of its various forms. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel or his body in sanctification, separation from sexual immorality and honor to God. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, strong sexual desire. Even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother. We're going to look at what that word defraud means later in our lesson tonight. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. Because the Lord is the avenger. He'll bring judgment upon that. Of all such as we have forewarned you and testified. So this isn't something that Paul has not talked to them about before. Verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness. Here particularly in the context we're talking about sexual immorality. For God hath not called us unto sexual immorality, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not men. Don't get angry at the preacher. Amen. Despiseth not men. Obviously Paul felt like some of the Thessalonians would despise him concerning this teaching. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not men, but God is the one that you're despising, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray you would bless the preaching and the teaching of your word tonight as it pertains to this issue of courtship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come down there and join you. It's actually been a few years since I've taught on this issue. 
Usually I know it's time to teach on it when my wife says, Dan, we got a new group of young people in the church. They don't have any idea about this whole thing of courtship. It's time you start teaching about it again. And usually it's a couple years after that that I get around to doing it. You know, you don't want to do it right away because then she thinks she's in control. So you don't want to do that. But listen, if we're going to do this thing, let's do it right. Won't you all agree? In this most important issue of life, of finding a life's partner, let's get it right. Let's do it right. Let's do it God's way. Let's keep the commandments as we find here in this passage of Scripture that we've just read. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to explain the difference between courtship and dating. Now, neither one of those words are found in the Bible. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at courtship as that which is done God's way. And dating, and you can use these words interchangeably, but we're going to look at it courtship God's way, dating man's way. Okay, you all with me there? This is the way God would have us to do it. We're going to call that courtship. This is the way the world does it. We're going to call that dating. Most people believe that dating, the way the world does it, is an absolutely necessary part of growing up and finding a life's mate. It just amazes me at the early ages that parents are allowing their children to date. I mean, 12 and 13-year-olds, they have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And a lot of that is encouraged by the parents. I'm like, really? But that's the world's way of doing it. The world's philosophy of dating, I'm telling you, is totally contrary to the biblical philosophy of courtship. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, through vain deceit, after the traditions of men, those dating traditions, and not after Christ. With over half of all marriages ending in divorce, the way the world does it isn't working very well. Would you all agree with me there? So we, would, we, don't, we don't want the outcome that the world has. We want the outcome that God would have for us. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 2, and I'm going to take time to read this whole passage of Scripture. I would encourage you to do so, even spilling down into verse 16. But I want you to notice right there at the very end as he's talking about the divorce and remarriage issue, he says, hot, stop. She is the wife of thy what? Covenant. A covenant cannot be broken. Contracts can be broken. But listen, we're not in marriage as a contract. As Christians, we're in marriage as a covenant. And then it goes on to say here that he hates divorce. So for those who say, well, you know, God does put his approval upon divorce. I'm saying, no, God says he hates it. So if he hates it, let's get it right from the very beginning. Here's another passage of Scripture that is seldom ever looked at. And it says, And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Because in that day, you could basically divorce your wife for burning the toast. Seriously. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. It was done, it was over with. So divorce was very common. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered. Notice the word suffered. Moses suffered. He allowed, he permitted a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Now, just because Moses permitted it, does that make it right? No. And Jesus addresses that. He said, Moses suffered a bill of divorcement to put her away, and Jesus answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart to regulate this practice because you're going to do it anyway. Are people going to divorce no matter what God says? Yes or no? They're going to. Okay? So there has to be a regulation upon it. For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept, 
But Jesus goes back to the beginning, to God's original design. But from the beginning of creation, all the way back to Genesis, God made them what? Isn't that something we have to hear that today? God made them what? Male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife. It means to be permanently stuck together. And the twain shall be one flesh. So they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Now, over and over again, you hear me repeat this when we're conducting a marriage ceremony, right? I repeat it three or four times to that young couple so that they know. And the house of disciples asked him again the same manner. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery, period. All right? So God is teaching the permanency of marriage here, isn't he? All right? Now, if we're going to do this thing, what we got to do is go back to the very beginning stages so we avoid getting to this place. So how does the world's view or practice of dating violate biblical principles? The Bible says we are not to love this world. We shouldn't be doing it the way the world does it. First of all, teenagers have tremendous pressure upon them to date. Because if you date, you're what? You're normal. So young people feel that pressure to be normal. You know, I need to have a boyfriend. I need to have a girlfriend in order to be accepted. So there's that pressure. But normal, when it comes to this dating game, normal is worldly. Normal is carnal. That's not how God wants us to be. Normal, when it comes to the dating game, is really sensual. It's romantic attachment to someone of the opposite sex that you're not married to. Then there's repeated romantic attachments. You date this girl for a while, you date that girl for a while, and then you dump that girl, you dump that guy, and you go with another girl and another guy, and you keep trying and working and going around until you finally, hopefully, find the right one someday. You know what I believe? I believe God has a special person for you. I don't believe you have to date around and play the field. We're going to tell you how to find a life's partner here in just a minute, doing it God's way. When you look at this picture, can you not tell what's on the mind of those young people? They're certainly not thinking about courting. They're thinking about all that I've just said so far about dating. So let's look at some of the characteristics of dating. First of all, there's the pursuing. You got to pursue that guy. You got to pursue that girl. There's the wooing, trying to gain their attention and their affection. We could go into detail on a lot of this. There's spending time with each other, kind of isolating yourself from the group and spending time. This leads to romance. You know where romance should be? In marriage, not in dating. Then there's intimacy. Then there's physical involvement. We're going to talk about the arm around the waist, the holding hands, the kissing, and where that eventually ends up. Then there's fornication, sexual immorality. So they're pursuing the wooing, the time alone, the romance, the intimacy, the physical involvement, and then fornication. And then what happens? There's guilt. Or should I say this? There should be guilt. Then there's, we got to break up. Then there's all the hurts that go along with breaking up and the rejection that is felt. But then there's the sexual bondage. Then they have to get back together again because they've already been immoral with each other. And so that attraction brings them back together again. But then there's anger that's involved. Now feel like being used. Then there's bitterness that sets in. 
You've seen dating couples who have broken up. Then they start dating someone else, and now there's anger and bitterness all involved in that. Then there's the emotional scars that can be left from dating relationships. Then there's the damaged testimony. We, should we not be concerned about the testimony we're leaving behind for the cause of Christ? We represent him. And then there's conflicts that spill on over even into marriage. Now, church family, are you with me? Where did these conflicts in marriage start? By the wrong concept of dating. This passage of Scripture, and again, I wish we had time. You really need to jot this down. Because Solomon describes what defraud is. Defrauding simply means to rob, to cheat, to steal, to take something that doesn't belong to you. Okay? If you're in a dating relationship, does that young man belong to you girls? Does that young lady belong to you guys? No, they're not yours. They don't belong to you. You're not married to them. So what if you get involved in a physical relationship with them? Have you defrauded them? Have you stolen or taken something from them? Yes or no? Yeah, you've taken something that does not belong to you. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will bring judgment upon. This is the clear teachings of Scripture. So whenever you get involved in an immoral relationship, you are actually defrauding that person, robbing, stealing, cheating, taking from them that which does not belong to you. Let me tell you something. You are a thief. You have stolen something. That's why the Bible says stolen waters are sweet until they turn bitter. There's the mental lust. Whosoever looketh at a woman, if you're a woman, you could put a man in there. To lust after them have committed what? Adultery, sexual immorality already with him or her in your heart. That's why you need to guard your heart. Then there's the flirting. When we think of flirting, do we usually think of girls or guys? We usually think of girls, but I'll tell you what. I've seen some guys who are very flirtatious too. Now Solomon does not address the flirtatious nature of guys, but he does girls. He says that they can flirt with their words. Their words will drop as honeycomb. By the way, girls, you know what honey attracts? Flies. You be careful about the words that you use around the opposite sex. He talks about provocative dress. That's why pastor hits this so hard. Dressing modestly and in godly apparel. My wife said I need to deal with this one again too. Your eyes, the Bible says she can take him with her eyelids. Very seductive. The next one, Proverbs talks about her body language. Let me say something to you, young people. There is a private zone that God has established. And we need to keep that zone around us. Do you understand that? Don't let young men or young women invade that zone. And you know, there's all of a sudden there's a sense of, this is a little uncomfortable. Touching. The Bible said to avoid fornication, it's good for a man to what? Not to touch a woman. Keep your hands off the girl's. 
then there's the kissing. See, the, the, the words, the dress, the eyes, the body language, the touching, it's going to lead to kissing. But you know what? It doesn't stop there either. Then we have the fornication. So we need to be very careful about defrauding with our dress, with our words, with our dress, with our eyes, with our body, with our touching, with kissing, and obviously in the area of fornication. So how do we determine the will of God when it applies to the area of courtship? First of all, every young person should be focused on serving the Lord. That should be your number one goal. He that is unmarried can care for the things of the Lord, how he or she may what? Come on. Please the Lord. So all you unmarrieds here right now, your focus should be totally on the Lord. When God, when God, not when you, not when one of your boyfriends or girlfriends are egging you on, not when someone passes you a note, but when God begins to stir an interest in your heart towards a young man or towards a young woman, what are you to do? Look for character. Don't look at how pretty she is. Don't look at how handsome he is. Because I'm going to tell you something, beauty fades. That handsome young man someday is going to look like me. That'll gross you out, won't it? Look for character. Beauty is deceitful. Hold fast to your calling. I believe this. Before a couple ever enters into a courting relationship, they ought to know what God's plan, purpose, and will is for their life. They ought to know what God is calling them to do so they don't get hooked up with someone who's drawing them in a wrong direction. Can't tell you how many young men I went to college with who, I mean, they were going to the mission field, they were going to be a pastor, they were going here, going there, doing that, and God had clearly called them, and then they fell in love with a young lady who said, nope, I'm not doing that, I'm not going there, and out of the will of God they went. It's a shame. Saw that happen to a number of young men. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. When God has called you to do something, he will, he will bring the right life's partner into your life to help you accomplish that. So hold fast to your calling. Number three, receive counsel. Not from your friends. Receive counsel. I'm going to tell you who to receive counsel from in just a minute. But receive counsel. Remember, God is stirring an interest in your heart for a young man or a young lady. Receive counsel and stay under authority. Honor and obey your parents. Go to your parents. Share what God is doing in your heart. I'm starting to be attracted to this young lady. I'm starting to be attracted to this young man. Mom, Dad, what should I do about this? Keep mom and dad involved. Submit to your pastor's authority. I told you this, I believe, last week when we just kind of hit the surface of courtship. Very few have come to me over the years. I remember when Joe and Mel, Joe and Mel were the first couple that came to me and asked permission to court. And I said to Mel, you sure you want to court that guy? <laughs> first couple ever did that. I've had a few since, but not many. Just be a wise thing to do is to get your parents involved and get your pastor involved. Don't rebel. Rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. Don't. Any rebellion takes you out from under God-given authority where you can be destroyed. So parental and pastoral Oversight 
of your courtship will strengthen relationships. It'll bring blessing and protection to the courting couple. Remember, we want to do this thing right. See, already I got some teenagers who are scowling at me. But you know what? I love you anyway. Here's probably the most difficult one. Get your heart in a condition that it has no will of its own. Not my will, but thine be done. This is all about what God's will is. Yes, I know your heart's beginning to stir towards a young man or a young woman, but you've got to keep your heart in a condition that it has no will of its own. Ask God to do that for you. Desire to do only the will of God. I'm only going to move forward with this if it's the will of God. Seek God's will through his word. Do you think God can show you who your life's partner should be through the Bible? Yeah. Pray for discernment. Young people, listen, this is getting serious. I mean, the most serious decision you'll ever make in life is who you're going to marry. What can be more serious than that? Don't ask for a sign. Oh, Lord, if he's the one, I'm so attracted to him, and he's so handsome, he's so strong, and oh, so good-looking, and he even smells good when he walks by me. Lord, if he's the one, would you give me a sign? And you walk outside, and you see a shooting star go by. (laughs) He's the one. You know what the Bible says about someone who seeks after a sign? They are wicked and adulterous. (laughs) And you know what? Satan can, he can give you a sign. So don't, don't get into this, give me a sign thing. Keep your heart pure. Keep close to the Lord. Walking with him, serving him, pleasing him. Be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit will say, "Uh uh-uh, don't go there, go there. Back off, go forward. Learn to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And then wait for God's timing. And I know right here, someone's going to say, but what if I have to wait till I'm 40? It's okay. Better to wait till you're 40 to find that one that God has for you. And some people, he wants them to marry at 40 or 45 or 50 or whenever. Better to wait than to rush ahead of the Lord and marry outside of the will of God. Because listen, once you say I do, you done did. Is that bad English? That's really bad English. It's a good doctrine, though, I'll tell you. You know, and some people say, well, you know what? I married out of the will of God. No, when you said you, you do and you did, that's it. And I believe there's, there are people who have married out of the will of God, but you know what? Once they're married, I'm going to do whatever I can do to help their marriage be successful. Have a checklist. Would he, I'm going to start with the girls, would he make a good husband for me? Boy, do I have a checklist. How does he respond to authority? What are his goals in life? Drinking Mountain Dew, eating potato chips, and playing Call of Duty. That is not a good goal in life. Now I got some of the guys frowning at me here now. <laughs> Is he working towards these goals? Does he have initiative? Who are his friends? Birds of a feather, what? 
What does he talk about? Is he financially responsible? What type of entertainment does he enjoy? How does he demonstrate his love for the Lord? He says he loves the Lord. How do you demonstrate that? Is he faithful to church? What kind of church does he attend? That's, a, that's an important one right there. Does he listen to the messages? Is he growing spiritually? Does he serve through his local church? Is he involved? Is he industrious? Or is he lazy? Does he have a good testimony? Does he have good manners? Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Is he polite? Is he considerate of others or is he just self-absorbed? Is he disposed to anger? Is he morally pure? Does he try to involve you in sexual misconduct? How does he conduct himself around other women? Is he physically or verbally abusive? What kind of relationship does he have with his parents? Does he use alcohol or drugs to have a good time? Is he jealous and self-centered? Is he a hypocrite? I'll tell you, the last thing you want to do is get hooked up with someone who has a mask on. All right, girls. Would she make a good wife for me? Pastor, she's so pretty. She dresses so attractively. She has a good personality. How does she show her submissiveness to her father? How does she get along with her dad? Their mother. How about church leaders? What is her relationship like? Good chances are she's going to have the same relationship with you, young man, as she does her father. How does she treat her family? What does she talk about? Is she materialistic? You don't want to marry a woman who's a spender. Is she consumed with outward appearance and fashion? What type of entertainment does she enjoy? How does she demonstrate her love for the Lord? Is she faithful to church? What kind of church does she go to? Does she listen to the messages? Is she growing spiritually? Is she industrious? A lazy woman? Hmm. Is she financially responsible? Does she have a good testimony? Is she morally pure? Does she dress modestly? How does she conduct herself around men? Is she considerate of others? Is she contentious? What does the Bible say about a contentious woman? Get away. Go in the wilderness or on the rooftop. Is she verbally and physically abusive? Is she an angry person? Does she use alcohol or drugs to have a good time? What kind of entertainment does she enjoy? Is she jealous and self-centered? Is she a hypocrite? You don't want to marry a woman who has a mask on. Now, we have giggled at some of these, and yeah, they do appear funny, but there's nothing funny about that checklist I just went through. If you're really serious about marrying in the will of God, you ought to get a copy of this checklist. Is this the right person for me? Better take that to the Lord. This was a verse that my wife and I chose for our wedding. Well, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I believe that my wife and I have been able to do that over all these years. When it comes to looking for 
the one God would have you to be with. Look at your talents. Do your talents fit well together? Do your abilities? How about your personalities? How about your interest? How about your background? How about your upbringing? How about your family? I remember when my mom and dad told me, they said, you know, the woman you marry, you're going to marry her family. And I go, no, I'm not. Oh, Dan, yes, you are. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm marrying her. I'm not marrying the family. Boy, did I marry the family. <laughs> One thing that was so good of the Lord is that my wife and I had the same doctrinal beliefs when we got married. No issue there. We had the same philosophy of life. We had the same standards. We had the same convictions. I want to tell you something that goes a long ways in having a oneness of spirit when those things are in order. Our spiritual gifts work well together. I'm a teacher, obviously. My wife is an exhorter. I'll never forget one time she came to me and I was teaching through the book of Ephesians and I kind of took a little offense to it, to tell you the truth. But she came to me and she goes, Dan, you know, you like Ben forever in the book of Ephesians. And you know what? You haven't taught anything practical so far. Ephesians 1 through 3 is all doctrine. Ephesians 4 through 6 is all practical. And so I said, I just haven't gotten to practical yet. But my wife, her gift and my gift just work so well together. You know two gifts that really don't work too well together? It's a mercy and a prophet. They can make it, but it's tough. I want to come back to this, the call of God. Be on the same page when it comes to the call of God. But you know what? A lot of dating couples never even, ever even consider the call of God. They just become infatuated with each other. So let me give you some biblical basis of courtship. We touched on this last week. You have to be old enough. 12, 13, 14, 15, that's, that's not old enough. You need to be mature enough. Again, you can be 40 and not mature enough. But old enough, mature enough, spiritually minded enough. Under authority. And you have to be actively working towards being financially stable enough to provide for family. If any provide not for his own household, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Prepare your work without and make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterwards, I highlighted, afterwards, build thy house. Let's do it right. Let's get order okay you're not going to provide for a family making it a career working at mcdonald's okay hate to pop your bubble but you cannot provide for a family on that kind of income so you got to get prepared don't put the cart ahead of the horse When a couple pairs off in a courting relationship, they both understand, they realize that the purpose of this is to seriously now consider marriage. I mean, they are almost sure that this is the one. Here's the difference. When a couple pairs off in a dating relationship, 
It is a romantic linking of a couple simply to enjoy each other's company for the present. Although marriage may be possible in the distant future, neither person is seriously considering such at the moment. Right? It's the difference between dating and courting. Dating, then, becomes nothing more than self-gratification. I am gratifying my flesh. These right here are the most important principles in this whole lesson that I'm teaching. Courting has a whole different focus than dating does. Self-gratification. Do you know how much trouble we cause because of self-gratification? Not just in courting or dating, but in every area of life. I want to be gratified. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be happy. It's all about me! Without ever considering the ramifications. It's very sad. Nothing more than self-gratification. Pleasing the flesh. Adam and Eve. What was it all about? What was the fall all about? Self-gratification. What a mistake. And I want you just to look at this picture. Be careful about the worms that are in that apple. How sad. How sad. So, young people. How can you keep your mind off of immorality? When the hormones are raging, when you're at that age, how can you keep your mind, how can you keep your thought life pure? Listen, God would not ask us to do something if it was impossible to do. Do we agree? So if we apply his truth, then he's going to give us this self-control need when it comes to courtship. Remember that old devil, steal, kill, destroy. And I really hope that you young couples here, we got a lot of young couples here in our church, really get this down and try to instill this in your children. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we've had 10 kids, right? They don't like this been very difficult for them to accept this and embrace this, but several of our children have. Because they have, God has blessed them. And I know it, I know it was hard for them. I, I never knew anything about this. When I grew up, when I was in those dating years, I never, you ever hear this or never heard that? How many, how many who are my age never heard this? We never heard this. This was never taught in church. Never. There's five powerful temptations that have to be resisted in life. Resist the devil, he'll what? You purpose to obey, God will give you strength to do it. It's important to get this down. Stay with me, we're almost done. Five minutes will be done. Examine your friendships. All of us know what a powerful influence friends can be. Evil friendships corrupt good morals. Friendship with this world is enmity with God. Be careful about your friends. Shun immoral entertainment. Entertainment has now become huge. 
I don't know where this is taking place. I just caught it on the news this morning. But some they're having a convention that has to do with gaming. And there's like millions of people going to this convention. And there's these gamers who then, there's others who watch them because they're, so they observe them. I couldn't believe, it was like they couldn't get any more, any more people into this room. We are in an entertainment crazy culture. And the truth is, most of this entertainment is not godly. How many were here, this was quite some time ago when, what was I teaching on when I put up, oh, I was teaching about the occult. What the Bible says about the occult. You remember when I put up all the, all the movies by Walt Disney? Be sure your friends. Shun immoral entertainment. We can throw music in there. Control your thoughts. Bring your thoughts in the captivity of Christ. Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How do you control your thoughts? You meditate on Scripture. Reject the worldly philosophy of the dating game. Just reject it. Not going there. It's going to do nothing but cause me problems in the future. Avoid physical contact. Keep your hands off the girls. Girls, don't be hugging on the guys. Just stop it. I'll tell you what, if you don't have any of this, you're not going to have any fornication. Bible said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Is my flesh weak? Church, is my flesh weak? Is your flesh weak? Well, we better not make provision for our flesh then. Applying biblical teachings to the area of dating and courtship. As we close tonight, I'm going to ask those of you who aren't married, who would desire to be married someday, to make these commitments. I'm asking you to make these commitments right now before the Lord. Number one, I will reject the worldly philosophy of dating. I'm rejecting it. Come out from the world. Be separate. I purpose not to defile myself. I will guard my heart with all diligence, keeping it for the one that God has for me. Not going to give away a piece of my heart. I'm committed to pleasing and serving the Lord. It's kind of neat how Josh and Sam were just focused on serving the Lord, go to the mission field together, no interest in each other, and God ends up hooking them up there. Ben and Lee Sell. Do you ever think you're going to find your life partner over in the Philippines? Would you ever, would you ever have dreamed that? If God has to take you halfway around the world to hook you up with someone, he can do that. You all know how I feel about this. Stay away from these chat rooms, cell phones, the emails, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, the Pinterest, the Snapchat. The... How many more of them are there out there? Can't even keep up with them. I will seek God's will for my life. I will surrender my right to choose my life's partner to God. It's not up to me to choose. God, you're going to choose this one.
I'll receive permission and blessing of my parents before courting. I'll reserve courting for the time when I'm old enough, mature enough, spiritual enough, and actively working towards really stable enough to provide for a family. I will build godly standards into my courting relationships. I will not encourage others to date. Does that go on here in our youth group? Biblical courtship. Are you willing to accept this as the standard by which you will seek a life's partner? Like every head bowed and every eye closed. life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee now I'm going to ask anyone to come forward tonight I'm just going to ask Alyssa to play that you can kind of think of the words to this song with no one looking around and if God has spoken to your heart tonight maybe there's a married couple here tonight to say, you know what, we did it all wrong. Never have confessed that to the Lord. Maybe you need to do that tonight. Or for those of you here tonight that aren't married yet, you say, Pastor, God spoke to me tonight. I want to do it right. Here's my hand. Would you pray for me? Thank you and thank you. And yes, I want to do it right. Thank you. Anyone else? Take my love. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.